0: There's such a high need for providers and different you know different practices pharmacists being one of the biggest ones and we saw that through the pandemic so i think you know being able to crunch that time to three years and still being able to get the great education that they provided in what traditionally was four years why not
1: Well, uh, everybody, uh, thanks for joining us again here on the current uh, tour University, California's alumni podcast. Um, I'm Bill, as usual. I haven't changed my name um, anytime soon. Um, The host, as my lucky job would have it. um, It's a little damp outside. That's good, I guess. We need some rain. Uh, So wherever you're listening from, hope you're staying warm, dry this winter. Uh, I'm going to get right into it because our guest is super awesome. Um, And I'm going to do my best to introduce her. Um, She is a uh, graduate of our College of Pharmacy, uh, Hafsa Mojadidi. Did I get it?
0: Yes, perfect. Right on the spot. (sighs) (laughs)
1: So uh, you... um, You're an alumni of the School of Pharmacy, College of Pharmacy. Um, What, uh, uh, just to sort of start out the, uh, what brought you to Turo sort of conversation? What um, what was it about pharmacy that sort of made you think like, oh, that's what I want to do?
0: Yeah, it's kind of an interesting story because I took the non-traditional route to pharmacy. I was always pretty keen on doing medical school and doing the medical route. And I took a gap year between undergrad and doing my master's. And I met a clinical pharmacist and I thought, whoa, this is so cool. What does she do? And it's pretty clinical involved compared to those typical pharmacists that we interact with more often, which is in the retail or community setting and I didn't know that I could technically do more of patient interactions while you know managing pe- people's medications and still being able to be involved in research so once I met her I dove into the curriculum around the US to kind of see what schools I was right. attracted to and Tarot was one of the top two because they had a very particular program called the two plus two program, where you spent two years doing your didactics and you dove right into clinical practice the last two years, which in comparison traditionally is just one year of clinical practice. So I thought, hey, if I can have an extra year of practice out there and doing my experientials, why not? And so that's kind of where I started interested in pharmacy school and then in even more particular Tarot itself
1: right it's interesting you you mentioned the two plus two uh, they recently changed it to a three-year program uh, but it's still yeah, essentially the two plus the two, plus two <laughs> program they just smushed it together so uh the students yeah. could graduate uh, a year earlier um so they're not really missing out on anything that you experienced um they're just doing it faster. Um or or yeah. whatever it is. And I
0: think in this realm of where we're trying to be educated faster and being out there and practicing, especially after the pandemic, there's such a high need for providers and different, you know, different practices, pharmacists being one of the biggest ones. And we saw that through the pandemic. So I think, you know, being able to crunch that time to three years and still being able to get the great education that they provided in what traditionally was four years, why not? You know, you save a year and you're back into practice and you're, you're doing the thing in reality instead of spending a year in, in clinical rotations. So I agree. I think it's, it's a good change.
1: Yeah. It's uh, dot tu.edu if you're interested at all. Um, and you should be, um, because as, uh, you mentioned, uh, there is a bit of a provider shortage, um, that is projected to be widening (laughs) um, as the years go on. Um, and that's something of toro's kind of prideful specialty is being able to generate loads of primary care providers um and usually that's um you know sort of your traditional doctor um Mm -hmm. and i say traditional because a lot of people don't think pharmacists are doctors but they are uh they have a doctoral degree uh (laughs) so um but that's that's something that you're you're involved in Uh, you're you're involved in primary care I, i know a lot of people like think about the person at the counter at Rite Aid or something or CVS. Mm -hmm. Um, We all know that pharmacist, but um, there's um, I think, I don't want to say a growing trend, but there's just more, uh, there seem to be more and more pharmacists that are doing primary type care where it's more like chronic conditions or something where where it's Mm -hmm. sort of adjusting the dials on the medication is really the main thing that goes into the treatment. And that's no pharmacists are uniquely suited to do that. Um, could, you, could you sort of explain, like, what a chronic condition is and then sort of just talk a little bit about what you do as far as interacting with patients in their, uh, in a primary sort of care role?
0: Yeah, most definitely. And I agree. I think, you know, I was pretty limited in my interactions with pharmacists before I started pharmacy school. So once I walked into the first day of class, I realized, whoa, there's so many different Um, specialties that pharmacists can do. And the scope of practice has been increasing dramatically over the past couple of years. And it's been such a blessing to be in California. I think we're on the forefront of all that. So we get to see all that practice increase day by day. Uh, Chronic disease management, um, like you said, you know, kind of goes under the umbrella term for primary care management. And then we usually have specialized, you know, medical doctors who follow along with cardiology, which is related to the heart and the system. We have endocrinology, which is including diabetes management. And then we have, you know, respiratory and, and other chronic diseases that are more specialized in regards to their medication management. You know, once they're diagnosed, they are never not diagnosed with it again. They have to kind of live with it and it's a progressive disease and you know, over time, Some days are better than others, but the medications are pretty lifelong usually. And so these patients are dealing with not one, not two, maybe multiple medications for a specific disease, but then they usually have chronic diseases, multiple. And so they're dealing with a a load of different medications and it becomes a lifestyle. It's not just, hey, I need to take this tablet once a day, every day, and it'll go away. But no, you know, it's progressive. Things can get worse. The symptoms can get, you know, a lot worse than what you expected when you were first diagnosed. So we have not only primary care physicians and specialized physicians, but we have now primary care pharmacists that continue to work with these patients who are dealing with a chronic disease, a lifelong disease, um, and help to manage their medications. But also it's not just heavily focused on medications, it's also focused on lifestyle, right? Because it's a a whole bunch of factors that go into a chronic disease to be managed. If you're not eating well, you're not exercising, and you're loading yourself up with medication, are you really finding a lifestyle that's sustainable Mm long-term? Probably not. And so we have these primary care pharmacists working very closely with their primary care physician. We also have nurses, you know, nurse practitioners that are on board, um, physician assistants that are a part of the team. And we work very closely to help manage these patients, find a lifestyle, including managing their diet, managing you know their physical activity, finding where they're at in their life and finding a way to have a solution to help them with their chronic diseases. How do they feel better? I specifically work in the Diabetes Management and PHASE Management Program, and PHASE is um, standing for Preventing heart attacks and strokes every day. Um, And this is a special program within Kaiser Permanente and specifically it was designed, it's a comprehensive program where you are able to provide quality care to your patients. And what happens is we have trained nurses, we have trained pharmacists, and we have program assistants and we all partner with our primary care physician to help members to achieve and maintain proper blood sugar levels. We help to manage their cardiovascular risk factors with appropriate medications, with appropriate and preventative measures and testings, including screenings, things like retinopathy, which is a common eye disease that can happen if diabetes is not managed well um, or not managed well for a long time. We have foot exams. We have physician appointments. So it's kind of a checks and a Uh, balance uh, uh, process where we work with each other to help make sure the patient is keeping up with preventative measures, right? We want to keep them out of the hospital, knowing that they have a chronic disease. How do we make them feel good enough to be outside of the hospital and not have to see us as, as often as we need to? But in the cases that they do need to see us, we're all available and we're there. So we we work closely as pharmacists with the primary care physicians. Once they're diagnosed, we help to kind of, like you said, dial on the medications that are on board. And like I said, there's usually more than one. So we're working on titrating it up or tapering them off and seeing, you know, what part in life are they at at that time? And do they need to be on so many medications? Are they doing better with diet and lifestyle? Can they be on less medications or the opposite? Are they? not able to do more mobility wise. Are they, are are they hitting a plateau with their diet and they just can't, you know, get to their range. And at that time we feel the need to supplement with proper medications, individualized for them, um, depending on what they want as their outcome. And so it's a really great, you know, team effort that we work and we facilitate treatment so they can lead into a healthier lifestyle.
1: Right. It's, uh, it's interesting. you, You mentioned this phased approach because, um, uh i'm uh, I, I am myself a diabetic um <clears throat> and i know um it, it's a difficult juggling act for me um because there's so many things that affect your blood glucose on a daily basis um and then those fluctuations in turn um <laughs> can really um I don't think the medical term is screw with, but, um, screw with your, your other <laughs> systems. Um, that's not, they don't teach you that at Turo. I'm sure they use different terminology. Uh, but, um, could you talk a little bit just sort of about diabetes in general and, and why, cause it's, it's such a, if I always say, uh, when I have, uh, people from the school of pharmacy or the osteopathic medical school, um, when I have their alumni on, I always say, if you come, you know, and you're in the one of those programs, or a PA program or something, you're going to learn something about diabetes if you come to Toro. Um, mm. But can you talk a little bit about why it's so, um, why it affects the body and, and why it's important for you to have this multi-layered approach that you have at Kaiser?
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm a child of two parents who both have diabetes. So I grew up with this, not knowing what it was at a young age. And really quickly had to learn what it was and how it's managed. And so, you know, with diabetes, there are two types. There's type one and type two. And essentially what you're looking at is how well your pancreas is working to produce insulin. And so insulin is something we need in our body and we need it to regulate when our blood sugars are elevated. So, for example, if you're eating, we expect our blood sugars to go high because you're going to start digesting what you've just consumed turns into, the carbohydrates turn into glucose, which is a source of sugar. And we start to use that sugar for energy, right? And so the pancreas is created to secrete insulin as well as work with the liver, which helps to remove the excess blood sugars, um, the sugar in the blood system per se, and keep that within range. Now, if someone has diabetes, their pancreas is not able to secrete the insulin or not able to secrete enough. And that's kind of where you differentiate in layman's term between type one and type two, whether it's an autoimmune disorder, whether your own body's you know going against you and not able to secrete enough insulin, or whether it's type two and you're secreting, you know, very small amounts of insulin, but not enough to keep up with what your daily consumption is or what your daily storage of glucose is. And so with diabetes, you know, if you're one organ per se or even two organs, your pancreas and your liver are not happy. They're not able to keep up with your daily activities you know, in in effect, your other organs are complicated, and they're put at risk. So if one or two parts are not happy, a lot of the other body parts are not happy either. So very quickly, the kidney can't keep up if there's a lot of sugar floating around in our blood system, and our kidney helps to, you know, remove the excess amount of glucose or sodium or, you know, potassium. And so if there's a lot stored in our body, our kidney can't keep up with getting that out. And usually, you know, we urinate that out. So if it's not able to do that, it's also not happy. You know, the eyes have too much glucose around the system. Those affect the nerves. And so the nerves in the eyes are affected. So vision is blurry. Vision is not as great anymore. Um, The feet have nerve endings and the hands have nerve endings, obviously, which we typically feel everything. But with diabetes, as it gets complicated and it's not managed well, those nerve ending sensations also start to change. They're also not happy. And so you start to lose sensation. You feel more tingling in your feet or in your hands. And that's called neuropathy. Um, And in that, in in turn, you know, you're not feeling as much. You're bumping your foot. You're bruising. You get wounds. You get cuts. And someone with diabetes, if they're not able to sense that, then the healing process is affected. Right. You have an open wound on your foot or your hand and you don't realize it till much later. And so when you realize that that process of healing is also delayed, if your blood sugars are consistently high. And so it's really much a domino effect. And I always tell my patients, if we can help get your blood sugars on track and you feel a a healthier lifestyle in regards to your diabetes, then all your other organs in turn are, are happy and it doesn't become a vicious cycle where one organ is not happy and then your eyes are blurry and then your tingling sensation in your feet. And that also comes with a lot of medication, right? You want to mm. treat the symptoms you have. So you started with just treating your diabetes. Now you have to treat the tingling sensation in your feet. Now you have to treat the, the kidney effects. And so it becomes this huge domino effect of multiple medications being on board, which also reduces your quality of life, right? right. How many tablets and you know types of in- injections do people want to be on? Probably none, ideally none, but um, and so with diabetes, unfortunately, if it's not manageable, well, it's it's causing effects for a lot of the other organs.
1: Right. Um, I do want to get into one other little thing uh, in a second um, mm-hmm. about uh, your interactions with patients. But one thing I did want to sort of talk about related to that slightly was, um, I mean, you're obviously very knowledgeable um, and uh, very, um, very good at what you do. Um, thank you, Toro. Um, <laughs> um, are, are people, uh, you know, like, I, I think when they interact with pharmacists, I think they, they think that you're the, okay, take this with food person, you know, like, uh, yeah. do, do people, I, I mean, maybe you, you probably introduce yourself that way, but uh, do people find themselves sort of surprised that we're like, wait, you're not the quote unquote doctor. You're, I thought you were mm-hmm. like the, don't take more than two of these in a 12 hour period you know like you're you are that person but then you're also this other person and they must be kind of surprised yeah. that you know so much
0: yeah i mean surprisingly when i was in pharmacy school i feel like i was worried about that and i thought that concern would be a lot more evident in my interactions Um, Like I said, California is pretty much at the forefront of the scope of clinical pharmacy. And so I think people are more aware of it. And so that's a blessing in disguise. But within Kaiser itself, you know pharmacists play a huge role in different specialties, even outside of primary care. So a lot of the patients I talk to have interacted with a pharmacist, whether in the acute care inpatient setting or in the, in the ambulatory care setting, whether it's for their asthma COPD or their congestive heart failure disease, all of which are unfortunately, you know, comorbidities with diabetes. So they've interacted with a clinical pharmacist before. Um, And so I do introduce myself, like you said, and I think that makes it a little bit easier. But there are quite often interactions where the patients are just still trying to digest you know, what my role is and if it's really necessary for, for them to move forward with me. And, you know, we always allow them to decline working with us if they feel comfortable working with their primary care physician. But the goal is we want to allow the primary care physicians to focus on what their specialties are, things that we can't do as clinical pharmacists. So we go through residency and we're able to work and manage with their medications, but we can't diagnose diagnose. That's not a part of our scope of practice. We can't help with the signs and symptoms that they're coming in trying to figure out what their issues are. So we really want to give more time to the primary care physicians to be able to interact with their patients in that realm and allow us to do what we've done our residency for, what we've studied for many years, got our doctorate degree in, and help to manage and individualize their diabetes care or their medication care specific to whatever disease state we're following them for. So Sometimes it's a hard pill to swallow, uh, Mm -hmm. to to say, uh, but, you know, once they start interacting and realizing that they're easily able to access us compared to their physicians that are pretty busy um, and their, you know, their panels for patients are huge. So, once they establish relationships with us as pharmacists they realize you know they can interact with us they can talk to us about their daily lifestyle things that are contributing to what their disease state is and they find it easier accessible than their primary care physician but i think really they feel comfortable knowing that we work so closely with their primary care physician, so it will get back to their primary care physician and they know that everyone's on one team trying to get them to feel better so Sometimes it's easier than others, but I feel like with Kaiser Permanente, it's been a lot easier since there's so many pharmacists working in the clinical realm um, that at some point patients or a family member has interacted with one outside of the you know community realm where you're picking up a prescription and telling them right. to eat it with food or without food.
1: Yeah. Hopefully with food. Um, no, I'm, I'm just... <laughs> Always with food. <laughs> yes. I'm going to take this with food, whether you tell me to or not. Um. <laughs> um... Another sort of thing I'm, I'm sure people, uh, are a little surprised at, um, initially, um, let me, uh, I'm going to press pause on that for just one second and go back, um, to set this up better. The Turo is a, a Judaic sponsored school, but not, I, I know, um, when I explain that to people, they think it's like, oh, it's all Jewish kids that go there and it's not, um, that's not hardly the case um, if you've ever been to our campus um, it's one of the things that makes uh, Toro great but um, one of the great things about that is that uh, we're able to provide opportunities for people that maybe traditionally wouldn't um, you know be able to whatever you know afford <laughs> to go to medical school or whatever it is whatever the case is um, and we, we like to, you know, sort of admit students from, um, you know, sort of uh, communities of need or or, or um, things of that nature so that they can go back to those communities now and provide sort of a service that's missing in that area. Um, but, uh, but part of that is that it exposes people um, who are... Um, let's just say white um, <laughs> to you know to, to, to doctors and and uh, other providers uh, of color um, or of just different backgrounds that they're not used to interacting with um, and I took a gamble and I thought that applied to you as well um, and you you did confirm that you are a Muslim woman um, mm-hmm. and it was a it was a pretty nobody can see this they can only hear it um, but I have pretty good reason for have making that wild stab. <laughs> um, but but uh, I, I know, uh, I was going to say, we're living in these sort of weird times. Although really, I think it's kind of the same times we've always been living in. Um,
0: <laughs> we're yeah. just more aware
1: <laughs> of the stuff. <laughs> so that's what makes it seem weird. Um, <laughs> the, it, it must sort of uh, take, like at least for a few people, it must sort of take them back a little bit to sort of interact with you at the first outset but then um then they have to slam on the brakes and reconsider their you know sort of slightly warped <laughs> worldview when <laughs> you make them feel better they're like oh wait I I misjudge." it's like a you know a yeah. Jimmy Stewart movie or something <laughs> that unfolds <laughs> in front of them <laughs> they're like I was wrong about myself this whole time hmm
0: Yeah, I mean, I think working at Kaiser within Bay Area puts me, myself, at, you know, quite a a variety of patient populations I'm working with. I'm in the South Bay, so it's heavily, you know, Silicon Valley. A lot of people are probably expecting a certain type of provider, And, you know, my training was done, you know, within the pandemic. So there were virtual instances where patients never saw me. Um, There were instances where they only saw me and didn't talk to me over the phone. So I've kind of had a variety of interactions with my patients. And for those who can't see me, I wear a headscarf um, called a hijab in the Islamic tradition. And so I'm a walking symbol of the religion. So even if someone were to ask my complicated first and last name or talk to me, they can see from what I look like that obviously I'm a practicing Muslim. And so sometimes, yeah, that does cause some barriers to individuals. But like you said, Bill, once I start talking to them, and I think it's been pretty funny because during the pandemic, we're at Kaiser, we're still in a hybrid um environment. So we try to do a lot of our, you know, encounters, our appointments over the phone or over the video. And if we really need to see our patients in person, they have that option. And since I work so closely with the primary care physicians in the clinic, you know, I drop by and say hello to the, the patients that we're both working with in person just to kind of give them a friendly face to know who they're talking to. And I can tell you there's been a handful right. encounters where they see me in person, whether I've asked them to come into person or I've said hi, because they came by to see their primary care physician. And they're like, are you? No, you're not Dr. Mojiditi that I talked to over the phone. And I'm like, yep, it's me. And they're like, no way your voice sounds (laughs) like an American. And I'm like, well, I am an American. I was born and raised (laughs) here. (laughs) And they're just, they're just at awe. And then they just have to take a couple seconds to kind of digest my face and my demeanor and then compare it to the person they've been talking to for a couple months now trying to help get their diabetes, their cholesterol and their blood pressures back on track. And like you said, some of them are really like, they're very open about it. They're like, we didn't expect this, but we're really thankful and grateful for our interaction. And at other times, individuals are like, you know, I I still need time to process this. And so for me, I've grown to have such a tough skin over the years. So it, it doesn't, bother me personally i understand people have biases and this doesn't only go for those who are practicing islam it goes for many different things people who are practicing their sexuality different, differently right. their you know gender is different um, with kaiser we're very very open to having this equality version of providers but also for our members and so we come across a lot of different individuals with different backgrounds and so it takes time for people sometimes for them to feel okay with it but for the most part I would say I think it's just cuz we're in a virtual realm and I don't get to see them often I do have a little picture of my face on the KP.org so when I'm right. messaging them or they have my appointment they get to see my face and obviously my hijab my you know islamic headscarf is on in my picture and so some individuals see it beforehand and others don't see until later so they are a little surprised but so far, I've had great interactions with all my patients. I haven't lost anybody. I've had conversations with people about it. Um, you know, they're more open, like you said, to learning about it and reassessing their judgment when it comes to to Islam or a Muslim practicing provider.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You, you you do have a little bit of a, a like a Becky sounding voice, I, I will admit, <laughs> um, but but that's okay. I, like I said, you you're you're not. It, uh, we We do have uh actually quite a few students that are um, uh immigrants themselves but you're you're from here is that right? Mm-hmm, you were born correct, in yeah. california
0: yep I'm a bay area native i've yeah, never well, left so. I've actually never been back home, which is Afghanistan for me so yeah it's it's surprising for a lot of people
1: yeah yeah um yeah, that's uh that's so that's so awesome to have you among our uh bulls. So, um yeah. and, and and I I like that. I like that it makes people have to change their opinion about things a little bit. Um and see people in a different light. Um yeah. so I think
0: the barrier does a good job of that, you, know, yeah. you Come across a lot of different things to be able to reassess.
1: Yeah, that's I mean, it's often. the great thing about the barrier is that um I think for the, I mean, you're going to have a knucklehead here and there everywhere you go. Um, yeah. but I think most people that live in the Bay Area, like appreciate, um, the fact that there's such a wide variety of people, um, from all mm-hmm. over, uh, if even just background wise, um, all over <laughs> or like, uh, where are you from? You're like, I'm from, uh, you know, San Jose, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah that's uh that's good um well i i i know you're you're uh probably uh part of the pride of the college of pharmacy Definitely. Um, they i'm sure they're very proud to have you as as one of their alums uh we at Toro in general are also very glad to have you as an alum and your patients are very lucky to have you as a provider i'm sure um So I I just wanted to wrap by saying thank you to Dr. Hafsa Mojadidi, uh, which is just fun to say. Like if you get a chance, just go around the house saying that because it's loads of fun. Um, (laughs) Mojadidi. (laughs) Um, I want to thank her for being our guest here on uh, The Current and for everyone listening uh thank you so much for uh checking us out once again hope you stay uh dry stay warm uh, don't let the water rise too much uh, but don't complain about it we need the rain um mm-hmm, <laughs> so. definitely and thank
0: you bill for giving me this opportunity it's been a pleasure talking to you oh it's it's always you and everyone us. listening a happy and healthy new year 2023 is already here what happened
1: yeah yeah exactly <laughs> um as long as we, uh, as as long as twenty twenty keeps getting further and further in the rearview mirror, that, that's all anybody <laughs> agreed. cares. About, I think.
0: <laughs> Agree. So agreed. Uh, we appreciate
1: everybody for listening, and until next time, we will see you guys all on the current.